Hey there, my name is Chris Wallace, and I am the lead pastor at Hope City Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. We exist to lead people to enjoy Jesus and multiply disciples in real life. We are so glad you're checking out our podcast today. We hope this message inspires you, challenges you, and most importantly, draws you closer to Jesus in a real way. For more information about Hope City, you can check out our website at hopecitybismarck.com. So today we're going to do something a little bit different uh, for our time in the Word. We're starting a new book. Uh, It's called Jonah. Uh, It's named after its main character, Jonah. Uh, And so I'm really excited about this study that we're going to be going over the next uh, five weeks or so, uh, including today. Uh, And so we're going to be just diving in and and really exploring some pretty amazing things in this book. Um, I had never studied Jonah in depth before last week. Uh, And so as I study it, I'm really, I'm blown away by the good amount of things God has to say through this story. Um, So instead of diving in to chapter 1, verse 1 this morning, we're actually going to do an overview of the book of Jonah. Um, We haven't done this yet, and so if you guys like this, um, let me know. We can always do a week of overview before we get into a book of the Bible. Um, I think doing this will help help you get an understanding and a feel for the whole book. So as we start going through it, like the the smaller pieces, you'll kind of understand where they fit in and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, So Jonah is a fascinating book. Out of all the prophets in the Bible, Jonah is unique because typically the way it goes is God would call a prophet who was, who was an obedient person and God would send them to the nation of Israel to, who were who living in disobedience uh, and then he would go preach a message toward those people for repentance. But Jonah's backwards for a couple different reasons. One, he's one of the few prophets that gets sent outside of Israel. So he gets sent to a pagan people. But not only that, Jonah is disobedient to God. So he's one of the only prophets you're going to see where God says, go, and Jonah says, no. (laughs) Uh, That's not the normal formula. And so that's pretty interesting. Right from the beginning, Jonah is captivating because it's a very different kind of story. The other interesting thing about Jonah is probably one of the most famous stories in the Bible. I mean, I would, if I said, Raise your hand if you've heard of Jonah. Even if you're not a Christian this morning, you know what Jonah is. Um, most people know this probably better than a lot of other stories. Oh, yeah, there's some guy that got swallowed by a fish, right? Yeah, that's in the Bible somewhere. Everybody, I think most people in our culture know that story somewhat. What's interesting is the fish almost is like a background character in Jonah. There's three little tiny places where the fish is even mentioned. The book of Jonah is not about a fish, um, it's, it's a very small part. And so that's a really interesting thing. Also, don't raise your hands, but if I were to ask you, what comes after Jonah gets spit out of the fish? How much of the book is still left? Did you know half the book is still left? There's still two more chapters after Jonah gets uh, spit out of the fish. So, and the most interesting part is the very last, like five or six verses is the point of the whole book. And so really, if you want to understand what Jonah's all about, we have to get all the way through it. And so Jonah is actually a very complex narrative about the human condition and about who God really is, regardless of how we feel about him or who, who we want him to be, and also who we are and what we need in our relationship with God. So what I want to do in our time this morning, um, this is going to sound like I still have a, a, like a normal sermon, but I want to show you four things, 
before we get into Jonah. And we're going to just read the whole book together today. Um, so if you've never read Jonah and you don't know the whole story, you will today. Um, we're just going to read through it. It's, a, it's an amazing story. Um, but I want to show you four things before we get into it that will really help set the stage for this story. Um, so the first thing, let's look at the background of Jonah. The background. Anytime you're opening up a book of the Bible, it is really good to understand the background, the context. Otherwise, you start reading verses thinking you know what they mean, and you may or may not. For instance, if I wrote a letter to my wife, and then you got a portion of that, and you don't know the context of the letter I wrote to my wife, you may or may not have a clue what I'm saying to my wife. Uh, in fact, you know, we've all been misquoted and misrepresented represented because someone took a piece of something without knowing the context. People do the same thing with the Bible. Did you know that? I mean, all the time. They just say what they want, and they're like, that's in the Bible. Technically, yes, but that's not the context. So we want to always understand the background, the context. It'll clear up a lot of confusion. So the first thing uh, with this background is, who is Jonah? When you look at the book of Jonah, there's not a lot to go off of. All it says is, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, that's important because in, first, in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, there's this little verse that says, King Jeroboam II was restore, restored the border of Israel from Labo Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant, Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath Hefer. So because of that little connection, and these little things are all over the Bible, but we know that that Jonah is most likely the same person that's talking about here. So that kind of helps us know when he wrote, a little bit more about who he was. So Jonah, unlike some other prophets at the time, was very nationalistic. He was for the king. What that verse just said is uh, the king, Jeroboam, was trying to get the borders of Israel back from from enemy hands. And so like he was doing some pretty forceful things, trying to do whatever it took to kind of get our land back. And Jonah was all for that. So Jonah was the prophet who was very nationalistic, very patriotic. And as we read the book of Jonah, I want you to see how that plays out. The other thing is at this time in Israel's history, somewhere in the eighth century, um, Primarily, uh, this is about the northern kingdom. We won't go into all that history today, but at this time, it was a relatively peaceful time for Israel, but they were beginning to feel this tension between them and the Assyrians. And we'll talk about the Assyrians in a second, but this was a, a world empire at the time, and there was this tension that was happening because they were beginning to demand tributes, I mean heavy tributes from Israel. And so they were already beginning to feel this oppression and this threat from the Assyrian empire And eventually, um, the Assyrians would be the ones that came in and completely devastated the northern kingdom. And so the other thing about the background is you really do have to know a little bit about the Assyrians. And so Jonah's called to preach to this city of Nineveh, which was the capital of the Assyrian empire. And so the Assyrians were absolutely wicked, evil, I mean, some, some historians have called them terrorist empire. The way that they brutally would go in and just destroy and devastate cities and countries is, is absolutely unbelievable. Listen, this is how one historian describes the Assyrians. They were as gory and blood-curdling a history as we know. Because there's kids in the room, I'm not going to get into a lot of depth, but I will just say this. Uh, the history that I was reading about the Assyrians makes our rated R war movies seem like PG movies. I mean, it is disgusting the things that they did and celebrated when they took over a nation, what they did to people. Violent, vile, 
terrible people. And so God, when he calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, I mean, that's not just a city with lost people. That is a city. It's like the baddest of the bad. It's the last place a prophet of God would want to go. And it's the last place a prophet would want to go and preach repentance. I mean, it is a very, it's insane. When Jonah gets that mission from God, it makes a lot more sense as to why he struggled a little bit. Because it's like God telling you to go into the craziest place on earth. You can imagine and going like, are you sure I heard you right? So that's exactly what's so shocking about this book. I mean, Jonah is shocking, but then also God is shocking in this book. And that is the point. As we, as we get through this, this whole book challenges what you think about yourself. It challenges what you think about God. That's the whole point. That's what God is trying to show through this story, is there may be some things in your own heart, my own heart, that need to be rethought a little bit. So the second thing I want to show you is the structure of Jonah. Yes, the structure of Jonah. And so this is, um, this is really amazing to, to see this. So part one in Jonah it flows like this. God calls Jonah, then Jonah responds and he flees. That's his response. Uh, then there's a warning. God, God hurls a storm, the text says. And then the sailors respond. They start freaking out, trying to figure out well, whose God, is, mess, who, whose God is, is doing this. Let's figure this out. Um, and so then there's that story. And then God shows mercy to Jonah when he's thrown off the boat. And then Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. And then this last part, Jonah prays from the belly of the fish and thanks God for... Uh, for delivering him. Okay, then part two of the book, I want you to look. This is interesting. This is where it's really amazing. Part two, God calls Jonah. Jonah responds, only this time he obeys. There's another warning. Then Nineveh responds. And then we see God's mercy again. And then Jonah prays. And so there's a point there. That's, that's a very, very tight structure. And so when Jonah wrote this, or um, whoever actually wrote it, we don't know for sure, but um, when they wrote this, the whole point is very poetic. It's very symmetrical. It's very organized. It's a beautiful like work of art when you look at the way the book is written. And so, so much of getting the meaning is seeing all this stuff. Now, there's a part missing, and it's the last six verses And it does not line up neatly with the rest of the book. And there's an important point because this is the main idea of the book, that God is merciful to all people because that's who he is. And our only hope is that he is merciful, whether we're the prophet or the pagan, whether we're the preacher or the prodigal. And so I've, I've kind of, this is my tagline that we're going to use, but Jonah is an invitation to marvel at the mysterious mercy of God. That's what we're going to look at for the next five weeks is the mysterious mercy of God. Um, so good, so good. Uh, one other thing I want to, want to show you is um, there's going to be a, a very close tie-in with Christ in Jonah. Now, we do this with all of Scripture. Um, one thing that we value as a church, and we believe it's true, uh, is that the Bible is not a bunch of random, disconnected stories, but it is one big story that tells the true story of the world ultimately about redemption in Christ and how God will make all things new. So everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus Christ and everything in the New Testament is pointing back to him or again to his return. And so the Bible from beginning to end is about one name, Jesus. And so our goal is always to find how does this text point us to Christ. And in this passage, Jesus quotes Jonah, or he talks about the sign of Jonah. There's like three, three different ways that Jesus talks about this. Um, and we'll look at these as we go throughout the text. But Christ himself said to, uh, to people who were like, give us a sign. He said, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. 
And so there was a sign of Jonah that, re- that corresponded directly to Christ. Three days in the belly of the fish, three days in death. And so you'll, you will see that a lot as well. And then not only that, but Christ is also the true and better Jonah. There's a verse in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 18 where it promises a prophet would come like Moses, but he'd be like the prophet of all prophets. And so as we see Jonah here is kind of a kind of an anti-hero, Christ is the fulfillment of everything Jonah should have been. Uh, so we'll also look at that. And then there's a key verse in Jonah chapter 2. It's verse 9 when Jonah says, salvation belongs to the Lord. And so that is an anchor point that points to God's ultimate salvation in Christ. So we'll, we'll dig that out as well. So as we read through here, though, I'm just curious, like ex- explore and really like look for where are those connections to Jesus. There are so many little things that point to Christ. The last thing I want to show you uh, is just uh, the key themes that we're going to be picking up on the book, and then we'll read through this together. Uh, So just, uh, we'll put them up on the screen here, the key themes uh, from the book of Jonah. The first one is the power of God's word. Jonah's sermon is like eight words long, and an entire nation repents. I think that's amazing. And we see that, that God's word in this this, uh, story here is so powerful. When God speaks, things happen happen. And so we're going to explore that, uh, just the power of God's word. Another theme is the cost of obedience versus the cost of disobedience. Now, we all know that to obey God is going to cost you. It's not, it's not necessarily going to be easy. It's not going to be like natural. It may be very hard sometimes to obey God, but there's also a huge cost to disobedience. And Jonah learns that the hard way. Is, is it costs him a lot to run away from God. And he experiences some pretty terrible things because of it. Uh, And so we want to explore that, uh, the cost of obedience versus the cost of disobedience. Uh, Another theme is what is sin and what is repentance? That's going to be a huge, a huge theme throughout here because for Jonah, we would expect him to be the good guy and he's going to the bad guy. But this book flips all that around and says, it's not quite that simple because who is the good guy? Who are the bad guys? Who does God call to receive his mercy? Who does God call to repent? So we'll dive into that, rethinking what sin and repentance is. Another theme is knowing about God's mercy versus experiencing it. It's one thing to talk about God's grace to other people or to look at other people and be like, man, they could really use some Jesus. Has anyone ever said, you probably said that. I think everybody said that. But the reality is it's not just they have received it or they need it. It's we all need it. We don't just need to know about it. We need to experience it personally. Um, Another theme is transformation is a process. I want you to look at the character of who Jonah is throughout this book. It's not pretty. Uh, Jonah's going through some stuff as God is leading him through this this time and through this journey. Jonah has this process of transformation going on in his life. Um, Two more themes and then then I'll be done. Um, The believer's relationship to a lost world. How Jonah who is a part of the people of God, how he looks at those who are not is a central theme to this book as well. And how do we as Christians look at those who are not? And I know there's a lot of people who are not doing that well. And so we want to talk about that. What does it mean to relate to a world that's lost and in brokenness? Are we just pointing fingers? Are we just, are we higher and better? Uh, Of course not. And so we're going to explore that. What is the believer's relationship to a lost world? And then the last one that we've hinted at is just the character of God. So from the beginning to the end of Jonah, I mean, there is this theme of who is God? Is he the God you know, or is he maybe a lot different than you thought he was as, as Jonah came to understand? And so we'll explore that, um, explore that a lot over these next, next few weeks.
So the reality as we go throughout this book is that God is going to challenge us. And so I just want to give you a heads up that as you come, come expectantly. Lord, show me. Show me things maybe I haven't seen here. Show me things about my own life uh, that maybe uh, are not where they need to be. God, use this book to make me more like Jesus, to make me more like who you want me to be. So yeah, what I would love to do uh, now is just read this book together. It's not super long, so don't let that scare you. Um, Just read it from beginning to end and just let the word of God speak for itself today. um, And then we'll move on into our response time. Jonah chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and went fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, Let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. And so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid And said to him, what is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up, hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done it as you pleased. So they picked up Jonah, and they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter two. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. 
I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of them, of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and he said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and it made, and it, made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah, so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And Jonah said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, 
that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. This is the word of the Lord through Jonah. 